Hey, well, welcome everyone, and uh, we want to welcome all of you who are watching by live stream, and welcome to Elevate Miami Church. We're so glad you've chosen to uh, come and worship with us this morning, and we're excited to share the Word of God with you, and we believe that God has something very special for you today. And to our Elevate family, um, I want to encourage you to, your online giving is very helpful during this time and very appreciated during this time. And so the link for your online giving uh, should be on the screen below. So we are very grateful for you and we just bless you and may it be multiplied over and over and over back into your life. And so we're talking about Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. While everyone is not a mother... Everyone has a mother, okay? Mother's Day is a very difficult time. Father's Day, it's a time where a lot of people celebrate, but it's also a time where a lot of people lament. Father's Day is very similar to that. It's a time when a lot of people celebrate, and it's a time where a lot of people lament. And what do we lament? We lament sometimes the loss of a mother. We lament, we lament the fact that we're not mothers or you're not a mother, or you lament the fact that the pain and the brokenness in the relationship with your mother or with your parent. And so this morning, it's not necessarily, this isn't the big grand rah-rah message that you typically get on Mother's Day, but I pray that it's a very real message for you, and I pray that it's something that really helps to connect to you in a meaningful way. There's an old saying that says this, may we all remember that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Isn't that true? In more ways than one. Mothers have a tremendous influence over the lives of their children, as both parents do. Mothers in particular because of the nurturing element. And what happens is, is that the Bible is very clear on how we are to treat our parents. And so I'm going to kind of focus a little bit on mothers, but I'm going to combine the whole parenting aspect into this message as well so that we can kind of get a bigger picture. And we want to honor moms today. We wouldn't be here without you, mom. So we're very grateful for you, mom. Very much so. And what we need to do is how we treat our parents. And a lot of people struggle. And so there's often a lot of times a lot of conflict. How do we treat our parents when we're younger is different than how we're to treat our parents when we're older. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to press in a little bit about into the understanding. And there's brokenness in every home. In case you didn't know that. Say, my parents were dysfunctional. Yes, they are. And so are you. We're all dysfunctional. At best, we're functionally dysfunctional. Jesus is with us, and he's working with us, and he's partnering with us. The Bible tells us how to treat our parents, but before we understand how to treat our parents, we have to put a few disclaimers here. Every parent is flawed. The older you get, the more you see the flaws in your parents. And any of you that have raised teenagers, you know that that's all a teenager tends to see is all the flaws in their parents. (laughs) When they're younger, they're like, mommy, you're amazing. Oh, you're so, I'm going to be with you forever. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. Mommy can do no wrong. But something happens when that child hits 13, man. Woo. Mommy can do no right. And so we understand that through our parenting and we understand that through our own parents as we've grown up through the course of this, that we're all flawed. We're all flawed. 
The second thing I want you to understand is not only are your parents flawed, but I want you to understand, and this is the basis of honor, is that you wouldn't be there, be here without them. Good or bad, your parents are responsible for the life that you now breathe. And in heaven's economy, God has a huge value on life. More than possessions, more than anything else, the Lord treasures the gift of life. It is a beautiful thing that we're supposed to understand and we're supposed to value. The quality of a person's life does not, con- does not consist in the consumption of things. The quality of a person's life does not consist in the abundance of things, Jesus would say to us. Life is more than meat and drink. Life is experience. Life is an awakening. Life is, is meant for us to experience God so that we can not just know life, but we can know the life that's found in Jesus Christ. In Him is life, the Bible says. There is no life without Jesus. In him is life, and that life is the light of all men and women. God has chosen your parents, and he chose your parents, and you are uniquely created with their DNA. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Got mama's nose and daddy's eyes. (laughs) See, I didn't get to choose my parents. That's true, but they didn't get to choose their children either. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the world. And so God puts a high value on honoring our parents, if not for any other reason other than the life that's been given to you. The life that's been given to you. We live in a world where the termination of babies is very relevant. It happens all the time. Parents should be honored just by, because in, even in the fact of having a child in a world where there is an alternative, it's not God's alternative, that they gave you life. And they chose to have you, even when it was difficult to have you, because it was the right thing to do. Psalm says this, 139, with a delicate hand you have made me. This is David. The Lord made you with a delicate hand. With artistry and compassion and care, God makes the child within the womb. Forming even the inner parts of me and knitting me together in my mother's womb. This is the beauty of our creation. This is the beauty of how we are born. And our mothers carried us. Moms, women in particular, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Women can conceive a baby. Women can make a baby in their body. Women can have a baby through their body. And then women can feed a baby with their body. (laughs) You ever thought about that? That's pretty wild. That is an amazing that, that is, men, what do we do? I mean, we're just, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of there. We had my grandson for four days this week. And uh, I say we, Sherry would say she had our grandson for four weeks, for four days this week. Moms are very important in the life of our children. They're very important, and we want to honor that. But David David is talking about how we are made, and we're made with a delicate hand. If you ever feel like you have no value and worth, this this book right here, this scripture is telling you that you have value and worth. You are made with artistry. You are made with delicacy. You are made with intention. The God who paints the sky had a personal hand in your creation. How do we know this? This wasn't biological design. The biology responds to the will of God. And so the mother is formed, the baby is being formed in the womb by the will of the Lord with a delicate hand. And David said, I will praise you. Come on, say it with me. I will praise you, Jesus. 
Come on, come on, come on. There we go. Because in wonder, come on, and in greatness, I am made. If you're at home, I want you to say that. I praise you, Jesus. Because in wonder and in greatness, I am made. You are made with wonder. You are made with greatness. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Say, how do you know you're made with wonder? Because Jesus says you are. Jesus says you are. Not everyone is a mother, but everyone has a mother. There are stages of life. So I want to talk to you about how we respond to our parents in the different stages of life. Most of you are going to connect to the second part of this. But the first part of this is when you're a child, how do we respond to our parents? Well, the Bible tells us if you're a child, if you're under the care of your parents or you're under the care of your mother or your father at this time, what does the Lord expect from you? Ephesians chapter 6 says this, children's, and here it comes, this is a four-letter word in our culture, obey your parents, (laughs) because this is the right thing to do. It is right before the Lord. So if you're a child and you are under the care of your parents, imperfect parents they may be, but if you are under the care of their household, what God is expecting from you is for you to obey them, listen to them, do what they ask of you. Be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. There are three ordained spheres in the Bible. Three ordained spheres of of authority. Three ordained spheres of government or of, uh, of authority. The first is the church. God's number one way of dealing with authority. The church is the instrument of of God's kingdom upon the earth. We're the arbiters of God's kingdom upon the earth. Provided we partner with the spirit. The family is an authoritative structure in in God's economy. I'm going to put you in the order of significance as God sees them. God sees the church, God sees family, and then God sees earthly government. All of these things are spheres that are ordained, but say this with me. Where people are, there is sin. And where sin is, there's problems. Where people are, there are problems. And so when the church partners with and creates an authoritative structure absent from the Spirit of God, it creates a lot of problems. This is why Christians are wounded a lot of times by either other Christians or they're wounded by churches. Not because the church intends to hurt people, but they're hurting people out of regard because they're not partnering with the love of God. They're not partnering with the will of God through that process. This is why families hurt families. Families hurt people. This is why children are hurt by their parents. The family is an authoritative structure given by God. But when the love of God is not moving in that family and the purposes of God are not moving in that family, all bets are off. It's the same thing with government. Government is an authoritative structure given by God. But if we look around the world, not all governments are equal, are they? Some governments are repressive. Some governments are dictatorships. Some governments are non-existent. The most effective governments, this is why the United States, and you may, oh, no, no, America. Listen, we're Americans, man. If you think it's better, there's planes leaving on the hour out of MIA, right? If you think there's a better country in the world other than this one, There are bolts and planes and you can, you know, go. The reason this country functions and it's dysfunctional, the reason we function is that we are one nation under God, for better or worse. We have invited the Lord into our economy. We've invited the Lord into our system of government from its very inception. Do we do everything right? No. But because we allow God and we actually invite the Lord into our government, things change. True, I could go off on that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay on the sphere of Mother's Day. 
So what I want you to understand is these spheres are given by God and that they're dysfunctional, not because God made them dysfunctional. They're dysfunctional because they're broken people running these things and they're, and God is absent. When God is absent or the Holy Spirit is absent from the church, the church does a lot more damage than it does good. We, we cut people with the sword of the Lord, the word of God, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When the family is absent from the sphere of God, then when, there's, when God's love is not in the family, the family hurts the family. There's a lot of dysfunction and there's no hope for the reconciliation of the family because the Lord is only, only, he's the only great reconciler. And the same thing is true with government. Children, if you're a child, the greatest failure in your life at this stage would be to not listen to the good that your parents intend you. If you want to succeed in your childhood and you want to succeed in your adolescence, the greatest success you can achieve is simply by listening to the good that your parents intend. Listening to your parents. Moms, you might want to write this one down. Proverbs 13. You ready? Write this down. All the moms out there, this is your memory verse for the week. Proverbs 13. Intelligent children listen to their parents, but foolish children do their own thing. Yeah, I got a bunch of amens in first service off that. Intelligent children listen to their parents, but foolish children do their own thing. Your parents are over you at this stage of your life for your well-being. It may seem a little controlling to you. It may seem a little constricting to you. But your parents are intending and they are over your life for your good. So how do we relate to our parents and how do we relate in particular on a day like today with our mothers when we're older in life? So the Bible's very clear on this. When you're a child, you obey. When you're older, you honor. Okay? So when I'm older, I'm not under the obedient authority of my mother. You're not. Moms and dads, there comes a time and it comes very quickly, I might tell you, that you will not have control over your children. You only have influence. You no longer can force them into obedience. They have their own will and their own choices, and you are relegated to a position of influence. And it's what you've sown into them is what will produce itself. Even if they make bad choices, the seed that you have sown will grow, and God said will turn them eventually. You have to have faith for that. If you've invested in that child and you've exposed that child to the gospel, you have to be faithful that didn't believe that God will be faithful to that child even if they are not faithful to themselves. When we are faithless, he is faithful. Ephesians 6 says, honor your mother and father. So to a child, it's obedience. To an adult, it's honor. Which is the first commandment. That it may be well with you and you may live long in the land. People go, my mom isn't worthy of honor. We're going to talk about that. My dad isn't worthy of honor. I mean, this is the real world we live in. We live in the real world. Every single person, there's damage incorporated. We have hurt our children. And our parents have hurt us. Our wounds sometimes come by intention, but our wounds a lot of time come by perception and expectation. You're wounded a lot of times by your parent, and you wound your child because they have a perception and you of, of you or of an action or of an inaction. They have a perception. You can raise two children in the same household, and they have different percep- percep- perspectives of what went on. Anybody here? Both children in the same household. Both children. And they have entirely different perspectives of what happened. A lot of times the pain that we, the pain that's been inflicted upon us and the pain that's been inflicted upon our children, sometimes it's intentional, but most of the time it's, it's almost a secondary reaction based on perception. 
Absenteeism, right? The pains that's inflicted by a parent upon a child usually relate to one of three categories. There are more, but the dominant categories are abandonment, abuse, and neglect. Those are the dominant categories of wounds in a person's life, particularly from their parent. Your primary caregiver has hurt you flat out. I've hurt my children. I've never meant to hurt my children, but I have. How do you know? Because I know. I've not been a perfect father. I do inner healing. I've done inner healing with my child. Try that one on. Okay? I do inner healing. The same process I use with other people is the same process I've used with them. I didn't want to do inner healing. It's not really the vulnerable place I want to go, but my wife's like, Kevin, get in there. Women, your influences. So here's the thing for you, mom. You're not, you said, my husband's the head. Yeah, but you're the neck, you're, you're the neck that turns the head, man. Mama's not happy, nobody happy. Nobody's happy. So mama telling me, I want you to go in and do inner healing. First was my daughter. I want you to go in and do inner healing with her. I'm like, what? I don't know. I've never done this before with my own family member, particularly my child. And Sherry goes, start with me. It's fine. Just, you know, throw me under the bus. I know, I know I've done stupid things. I know I've hurt them. I know they got wounds for me. That's fine. It's fine. Just start with me. So I did it, did it with my son and my daughter. And lo and behold, it was my turn. So I had to go in there and, and I had to do inner healing with my daughter in the ways that I have heard her. And the only way I was even able to do that is I had to put myself in third person. I didn't speak to, to her as her father. I spoke to her as a facilitator and she was speaking about her father. Okay? And I'd love to tell you that while she's speaking about her father, I didn't feel a knife go, Because the things she was talking about, I remembered very vividly. And even some of the things that she was telling me about, I had no intention of hurting her. The things where I thought I hurt her didn't even come up. But the things that I was completely clueless as to where I hurt her, that's what came up. That's what was mind-blowing to me. My son was the same thing. I would think that this is where I failed him. This is where I've hurt him. This is where I've wounded him. You know, and again, I'm talking about where, you know, what's the deepest wound of your father from the earliest point of childhood, you know, the way that I do it, you know. And so I'm asking him, and he says something completely unrelated to me. I was like, really? Your father did that? Oh. (laughs) I'm thinking this is the issue, and it's not. And the reason was the wounds are based upon his perception. The wounds with my daughter were based upon her perception, I'll give you another story. I'll throw myself under the bus, okay? I'm under the bus. My father left. I was raised from probably 12 years old on without a dad. My dad left, right? Completely gone. My dad never hurt me directly. I can't ever remember my father even saying an unkind word to me. My dad never barely yelled. He expressed anger, but he never yelled. He didn't scream. He never lifted a hand to me. Never, never. He just wasn't there. And so the wounds in my heart, as it relates to my father, were not because of something direct. I had the wounds of absenteeism. And we have wounds of absenteeism as it relates to a father or a mother that's in the home but are emotionally unavailable. You can be physically present and emotionally non-existent. And so the wounds that I suffered from the absent, and I had an opportunity to talk to my dad. Like when I was like 17, 18, one of the few windows I actually had, the tension in the room all the time when I was around him, you could almost cut a knife with it, right? Because it was so tense. You know, there was love there and, you know, the whole manly thing, but it was tense. And so one day I just confronted the situation with my dad on my own. Don't ask me how I did it. It must have been Jesus. And I confronted it with him. And I talked to him about leaving. 
And I said to him, I said, dad, you know, when you left mom and you left us, I said, I want to let you know, I forgive you for that. He about fell out of the chair. That was my words to him. You know, I just felt like I have to, that's, I could feel that was what was bothering him. And I just said that to him. And then his answer to me actually startled me. He said to me, I felt that it would do you the best good by me not being in the home. This is what he told me. So what I'm trying to get you to understand, he wasn't there, but he's thinking in his mind, I'm doing the best by my children by my not being there. That if I'm there, I'm only causing problems. If I'm there, now whether that was an issue between him, my mom and him, or you're the problem and these kids would be fine if you weren't around. I don't know. I don't know if that went on. I certainly don't want to blame my mother. I don't know what the dynamics were in the marriage, but I know my father's perception of the family was if I'm not there, I'm doing you more good. And I was like, what? And so if you see his intention, he never wounded me by intention. But my perception within my soul was that I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. That's what, that's what wounds the soul. And it wounds the soul of a child. And these are the wounds that are imparted to our children by us. And these are the wounds that are imparted to you by your parents. Whether you agree with it that it's there, I'm going to tell you right now, 100% it's there. 100%. Every single person bears wounds from their parents. Every single person. And guess what, moms and dads? Every child will bear wounds from you. Everyone. You don't intend it. You're actually shocked when it happens. But they're there. That doesn't mean they have to stay there. It just means you have to acknowledge them. The wounds are there. And these are the dysfunctions. And what God is doing is by what this message is designed to do, what I'm hoping it will do, is to remove the barrier between relationships. To give you understanding as to why your parents did what they did. And to give you understanding even towards yourself. If you can understand, you can forgive. People cannot forgive. I'm not even talking about willful forgiveness. You cannot release the pain that you carry if you cannot understand it. Understanding is the basis of forgiveness. That's why you can't understand it. I don't understand why my dad left. I don't understand why my dad left. I don't understand why my dad left. It's what keeps going on and on in you. And it's that absenteeism, that that effect it has upon you. So we have to give ourselves a break. We have to realize that we want to blame our parents when we ourselves are actually doing the exact same things. We're perpetrating the same thing. And so the way we get past this is we have understanding. My parents did the best that they could. My mother did the best that she could in the circumstances that she found herself in with the tools that she had available. My dad left. My mom's working two jobs, trying to raise two teenage boys. Try that one on. She comes home, she's exhausted. She's not emotionally available. My dad's there. Who needs to be there when the boys are teenagers? The dad. Mom, forget it. What's she going to know about a teenage boy? You see, you see the issue? So my mother never meant to hurt me, but she did because she wasn't available. But was it her intention? It was never her intention. And I have to understand that. And if I can understand it, I can forgive it and I can release it. And the barrier in the relationship is removed. And we have to have that same understanding towards not just ourselves. We have to have that understanding towards our parents. And we have to have our understanding towards our children. We have to realize and give yourself a break, right? Say, man, I really screwed up with my kids. Let me tell you what you were. You were doing the very best that you could in the circumstances that you found yourselves in with the tools that you had. 
You didn't have the relational tools of Jesus Christ. You didn't have the gospel. You were in a situation where you were ignorant. You were in a situation where you were arrogant. And you didn't know what you were doing. You were trying to do the best that you could in the circumstances that you were in with the tools that you had. That does not mean that what you did was right. That does not mean that what your parents did was right. But what it means is you can understand it. And if you can understand it, you can forgive it. And if you can forgive it, you can release it. This is the basis of all healing. That is the foundation of all inner healing. The literal foundation. And that's what it keeps reverting to. Leviticus says, everyone must respect their mother for I'm the Lord your God. Honor is to appreciate. So in other words, you may have a parent that's not worthy of honor because of their actions. But they are worthy of honor because of their position. Mom, I value you. For the mother that you are. Mom, I value you for giving me life. I value you for going through the difficult circumstances that you went through. I know this was not easy. I, I've told my mom this several times. I cannot, you want empathy if you're a single mom? You want empathy right here? I was raised by a single mother. I know exactly what she went through. And she wild two wild boys in a house. Crazy. I give her empathy. And I tell her I honor you. You did the best that you could with me. Your life has been a model to me. I have drawn from you so many good qualities. That's how you honor. You value the person for who they are. And you value the person for the good that is in them. There is something good. The Bible says whatever things are good. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are noble. If anything is of good report, think on that. Your mom's done something right. She may have done nine things wrong and one thing right. Well, Jesus is telling you to focus on the one thing she did right. (laughs) True. I know people, they don't even come to church on Mother's Day because it's too painful for them. It's, it's painful for them. They have broken religion. I mean, the reality of the church is it's all rah, rah. We all dry. Now, look, I'm all in. We should, we should have the beautiful ceremonies and all that. I'm all in. I'm, I believe in that. But I think at some time and some point, we have to be willing to press into the pain and actually look at the truth of what typically goes on in people's lives. I'm in the people business. I see damage all the time. And truth be known, I've never seen people that aren't damaged. And in oftentimes when I'm seeing the damage in another person, it reflects back into the damage that's within me. And so I've had to not only to help the person deal with their damage, I've had to go home and confront the damage that's in my soul because something was exposed there. True. This is how we get healed. This is how we go from brokenness to wholeness. It's not hypocrisy. It's not memorizing Bible verses. All of that's good. That's all wonderful. But can we be real? Can we be transformed people? Can, that's what this looks like. Honor is to appreciate to respect, and respect is how you treat them. I value you, mom, for who you are. I honor you for the person that you are. I value you for being my mother. I value you. You didn't do everything right, but you did the best you could, and I just want to honor that. And then you treat them with respect. I deal with a lot of people. And a lot of people are struggling even in their relationship with their parents to this day. Their mothers and their fathers don't treat them well. And they go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I said, you're supposed to treat them with respect. Do good to those who do evil to you. Isn't that a scripture, right? When they're hurting you, you cannot control what is going on to you, but you can control what goes on through you. You can't control what others do, but you can control you. Let's just take this a little deeper. Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, or the whole fruit of the Spirit, however you want to, I want to get... Somebody will say, the fruit of the Spirit is not nine things. The technical Greek word is a singular word meaning fruit. 
believe me, I'll get an email like that. So if I say the fruits of the spirit, somebody's going to theologically correct me over the word. So it's the fruit of the spirit. I get it. It's an all encompassing ninefold gift. So let me be clear for those who want to question that I understand it. But part of the ninefold gift of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. What does that mean? So if you're a Christian, you have the ability to manifest self-control. You can't control yourself. Get in the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit demonstrate self-control through you. You don't have self-control in yourself. Very few people do. Very few people have kindness in their nature. Very few. But when you're in the spirit, you're kind, aren't you? (laughs) You're pure. You're like, woo. You know, you're high, man. You're like flying. Get in the spirit and you will demonstrate self-control. So we honor, we appreciate the person for who they are. We respect them by treating them a way, even if they're not worthy of being treated that way, we respect them. We treat them with respect. Even if they're disrespecting us, we still treat them with respect. We value them. We honor them. That's honor is value. To respect and to honor does not mean you always agree. This is important, right? (laughs) Some of us as adults, we have parents And those parents are still wanting to give us advice, even though we're married with our own children, right? So what does that mean? It means I can, you can honor your mother and father without necessarily agreeing with everything that they say. And just because you honor them and respect them doesn't mean you always agree. Just because you honor and respect them doesn't mean that your mom and dad is always right. It's true. You can choose to disagree and still honor. You can choose to disagree and still respect. You guys know that. Listen to the father who begot you and watch over the mother when she is watch over your mother when she's old. I'm going to come back to that one. How do we honor? We accept their flaws. Just accept it. We're all broken. I live through my brokenness. I live unto Christ through my brokenness. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But without Jesus, I can do nothing. I have no confidence in the flesh, Roman says. Have no confidence in your own abilities. What have you that you have not received, Corinthians? All through the New Testament, it is threaded with not self-sufficiency. The New Testament is threaded with spirit sufficiency. Sufficiency in Christ by the Holy Spirit. You accept their flaws. Accept your own flaws. God accepts you, warts and all. I don't know if you know that. All He accepts you as you are. He doesn't leave you as you are, but he takes you as you are. So accept their flaws. Secondly, understand their intentions. If you understand that what they were trying to do was help you. My father, not leaving the home because somewhere in this existence of his mind, he thought that it was doing me good. Most parents don't want to harm their children. I realize there are those that do and and those that have. But there are most parents don't want to harm their children. So even when they do that, they were actually trying to do something good. Accept the parental flaws, understand their intentions, and forgive their failings. If you can understand, you can forgive. So what do I honor them for? How about honoring them for the effort? (laughs) The effort that they made. Did they do anything? Did they try? They did their best. Costs a lot to raise a child. Hold the chair on this. $10,000 a year to raise a child. You typically don't stop fully parenting your child until they're 25. Oh, yeah. A lot of you have adult children. 
I have adult children. I'm still parenting them. My relationship has changed. The sphere, <laughs> Margie's nodding her head. The, the sphere of my relationship with them changes. My relation, my daughter's over 25 now. She has a daughter or a son. She's married. So our relationship is more of a mentor relationship. It's not necessarily a parenting one. My son's on the cusp of that, or st- but there's still a parenting influence with my son. You understand? It changes, but you're still involved with them parentally, statistically, until they're 25. Yeah. And if it costs you 10 grand a year to raise that kid, that's $250,000. Thanks, Mom, for spending that quarter of a million on me. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's true. Honor the effort that they made. They tried. They tried. They didn't have to take you to dance classes, but they did. They didn't have to feed you, but they did. They didn't have to take you to swim lessons, but they did. Do you know how hard that is? Do I have any parents in the room? It is hard. Your home is a pit stop. That's all it is. School, change your clothes, go hang, come over here, go home. You know, it's like you're just, you're racing all around. It's a season of life that you're in, and you're trying to put an effort into your children. It's worth it. I was, my grandson was at the house, like I said, for all week, and so I'm going to buy him toys. He likes cars. Right? He's really into cars. He likes Paw Patrol and he likes cars. That's like his, his thing. So I'm getting him these big, like, trucks with the, you know, the big, I don't know, what are they? Monster trucks. That's what I'm buying him. One looks like a dinosaur, you know, and I mean, whatever. I'm buying him these trucks. And the place to not buy toys is Publix, right? At the grocery store. If you're going to buy toys, the grocery store is not the best value for your dollar. So I'm there and I'm like going, oh, wow, he's going to love these, you know, and I'm buying the diapers and I'm buying the little, you know, little ravioli meals and Sherry's texting me, make sure you get level five diapers and make sure you get the stage four food. And, you know, so all this stuff's going on and I'm like, okay, and I'm kind of doing the baby thing. And I see these trucks and I'm going to buy these trucks and I pick it up and I'm like nine bucks. Are you kidding me? Nine dollars? And I'm wanting to buy two. But I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I'm going to spend 20 bucks on two cars. And I hear the Lord say to me, million dollar grandbaby, Kevin. You're going to spend $20, but you have a million dollar grandbaby. What is that to you? Now, I'm not talking about all this indulgence and everything, but the kid didn't have any toys. And I'm like thinking, I mean, I'm, go, I'm going around buying him toys, but I bought him these trucks. And I'm thinking, man, this kid's going to love these toys. But I'm like, do I spend 20 bucks on these things? And I'm like, yeah, sure I will. Absolutely. $20 for a million dollar child, 100%. Priceless. 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 Your parents are worthy of honor on that level alone. Mothers will sacrifice everything for their child, a true mom, even if she's dysfunctional, screwed up and broken, she will still make extraordinary sacrifices for her children. We only see the dysfunction of our parents as we get older. We have no, we need to remember the sacrifices that they gave to us. The sacrifices of time, the sacrifices of resources. They sacrificed everything, everything. My mother would give me her last dollar. I would never take it. Of course, but my mom was literally that person. She would, if her kids needed it, she would, she would do it. And for that reason alone, they should be honored for the effort that they have made. They didn't do everything right, but they tried. You honor them with time. What does that look like? Well, how about a phone call every now and then? All right? I'm, not, I'm not the one to give anybody a lecture on this one. Okay, Just want to be clear. So mom, if you're watching... I'm not the one to lecture people on how to call their moms all the time. I mean, I try. I do my best. 
I do my best. I've discovered Facebook connections. So, but checking in with them, how are you doing? Are you fine? Do you need anything? What's going on in your life? You know, just a, a, just a, a moment of contact. I want you to say this. It doesn't take a lot of money to honor and respect my job, my mother or my parents say that, but it does take time and it does take love. It takes time and it takes love to honor and respect your parents. And it tells us in Proverbs 23 to watch over them when they're older. What does this mean? Watch over your parents when they're older. In other words, make sure their lives are stable. Make sure that your mother, your father maybe, maybe your dad's in the scene, but the Bible specifically commands it towards the mother. Watch over her when she's older. And what does that mean? Make sure she's got what she needs. Make sure her light bill's paid. Make sure she's got food. Make sure she's got a, draw, a ride where she needs to go. Watch over her when, you're, when she's older. Make sure they're stable and cared for. It doesn't mean you have to bear all of the burdens of her life, but it means that you have to help her with the stability of her life to the best of your ability. To the best of your ability. We're not perfect. Jesus was on the cross, and when he was dying on the cross, he looked at the disciple and he said, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. What's he doing? He's doing what Proverbs 23 says. He was no longer going to be able to take care of her. He was going away. But he had a friend take care of his mother. So maybe your mom lives out of town like mine does. I can't physically watch over my mother all the time. But have people check in on her. Hey, would you check in on my mom? Would you make sure my mom's okay? My mom, my mom, my mother lives with my brother. My brother, is, they live, they, he takes care of her. Thank you, my brother. And um, she lived with us for a while, but she's moved there. And but it's like, if you need something, let me know. You know, and if I have the ability to help you get it, I'll help you. You get where I'm going with this? This is another way of how we honor our parents Even if you can't physically be there, you can make sure that they're cared for to the best of your ability. Attention, love, and value. And I've said all that. And here's the point. I felt like the Lord was telling me to really press into pain. And I know that there are people watching this video or you're going to be watching this video in the future. And your parents have hurt you deeply. I know it's true. To those of you who have experienced abandonment, To those of you who have experienced abuse or neglect by a parent or by a primary caregiver, I would tell you what I feel the Lord would have me to say, and I would say that I'm very sorry. I am very sorry that that's happened to you. And you say, does it matter? Does it matter what they did? And the Bible tells us this in Luke 17. It says, it would be better that a millstone was hung around the person's neck and they were thrown into the sea than that they should harm a child. And it's sad to say But there are a lot of people in this world that have been abused by a family member or they've been abused by a caregiver. There's a lot of people in this world that have been neglected, whether knowingly or unknowingly, or they've been abandoned by a caregiver. Maybe your mother died young. Maybe your father died young. I've dealt with that, too. I've dealt with people who lost their mother when they were very young. And that produced a trauma in them and a pain in them. And what I would say to you is that Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you, and Jesus cares about you. And I believe he would have you to do three things. Number one, don't deny it. Don't deny it. I want everybody to say this. Okay, this again, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you all the little things that go on in inner healing. Right? This is what we do in inner healing. I want you to say this. Just because, 
My parents hurt me doesn't mean they didn't love me. And just because my parents loved me doesn't mean they didn't hurt me. Yeah. Love is accepted. Sometimes parents hurt their kids. They don't mean to. They're actually trying to love them, but they're so damaged themselves that they damage their children. When a parent hurts, or if you've been wounded by a parent, abused, abandoned, or neglected, you need to understand why they did it. And you need to understand, particularly in the level of abuse, if you've been abused by someone like that and someone in your home or some, a, a, a parent, hurt people hurt people. Your father, your mother, whomever hurt you because someone hurt them. That does not mean that what they did was okay, but that means that you can understand it. And if you can understand it, you can forgive it. And if you can forgive it, you can release it. That's the point. Hurt people hurt people. And what I would say to those who have been hurt and have been abandonment or abuse or anything that you're dealing with in regards to that, I would say to you that you matter. This is the first thing the Lord would say to you. You matter. The second thing he would say to you is your hurt is very real. Real. It's not real because someone told you. It's real because you've experienced it. It's not real because you have the wrong perspective. Your perspective and your perception is unfortunately, for better or worse, your truth. Your hurt is real. And I feel the Lord would say to you that your feelings matter. A lot of people deny their feelings. Trauma, abandonment, abuse by a parent typically leads the person to have a very low sense of value for themselves. And they believe that their feelings don't matter. Jesus would tell you the complete opposite. Your feelings do matter. And then he would say this one, and this is oftentimes the most painful one of all for people who have experienced abandonment, abuse, or neglect. This is the hardest one, is it's not your fault. It's not your fault. If you've experienced abandonment, if you've experienced abuse, or if you've experienced neglect, it is not your fault. There is nothing a child that could ever do to cause a parent to abandon them. Nothing. There is nothing a child could ever do to cause a parent to abuse them. There is nothing a child could ever do to cause a parent to neglect them. It's not your fault. It's a result of your parents doing the best that they could in the circumstances they were in with the tools that they had, or it's a result of their pain and their trauma being translated or transferred to you. Hurt, hurting. Your parents are broken people. They hurt you because someone hurt them. They did the best they could with the tools they had and the circumstances that they had. My goal to you today on Mother's Day, this is for hurting people. These are a lot of relationship tools in this message that you can transfer to different areas of your life. But my goal in this message is try to remove the barriers of relationships between parents and children and children and parents. And if we can remove the barriers of relationship, then we can have healing. And if we can remove the barriers of relationship, then we can have restoration. Offense is the biggest problem. Offense, the word offense means to push away. We're hurt, we push away. They hurt me, I push away. What if we deal with the offense? Then we can bring reconciliation, we can bring wholeness. We're not going to bring perfection, but maybe we can bring wholeness. Just maybe. Jesus is in the restoration business. I don't know if you know that. That's what he does, 24-7. We're going to do a prayer And we're a spirit-filled community here at Elevate. And so we operate with the principles and the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is in releasing and receiving. So we're going to do a prayer based upon some of the things that I talked about this morning. It's a very generic prayer. 
but it will be a helpful prayer if you partner with it. If you don't partner with it, it isn't going to help you. If you don't connect to the things that Jesus is offering, if Jesus puts his hand out and you don't grab it, it doesn't do you any good. If Jesus makes an offer to you and you don't take it, it doesn't do you any good. So if we do a prayer here and you don't pray it or you don't partner with it, it doesn't do you any good. If we're going to do a release here in the moment and you don't release, it doesn't do you any good. If Jesus is going to release something back to you and you don't receive it, it doesn't do you any good. You're a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. So we're going to do a prayer. (laughs) There's a little something we do in inner healing. This is part of the foundation. It's not everything, but it's very generic. And we'll go with it. And I want you all to pray with me. I want you all to pray with me. This is a prayer. I mean, there's a lot of typos. I typed this prayer really fast, so there's probably some typos. So if you're a grammar teacher or an English teacher, please don't correct my typos. Right? I get it. I understand. I'm doing the best that I can in the circumstances that I find myself in with the tools that I have available. So forgive me. Okay? We're going to pray this prayer. This is a prayer that you can kind of interact. You can pray this towards yourself. You can pray this towards others. You can pray this towards circumstances. It's what helps to bring healing to the soul. The restoration of the soul, the Bible would say. We're wounded in the soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And God restores. He restores my soul. So we're going to pray. Why don't you say this with me? Just pray it. Come on. Just jump. Water's fine. The Jesus jacuzzi coming at you. Say this. Jesus, I believe that you see me. I believe that you know me. And I believe that you care about me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. I choose to accept the reality of the pain that has been caused to me by my imperfect parents. And this is generic, okay? So just flow through it. The pain of abuse, the pain of abandonment, or the pain of neglect. I acknowledge the hurt and the pain, and I choose... Come on, to accept that it is not my fault. My parents are broken people. They did the best they could with the tools they had in the circumstances they found themselves in. They hurt me. They wounded me because someone has hurt them and wounded them. I choose to understand this. And just because I understand it doesn't mean that any of it is okay. But because I can understand it, I can forgive it. And if I can forgive it, I can release it. And so today, before God and his witnesses, before heaven and earth, I choose to forgive my parents. I choose to release them. And I choose to release the pain that I carry in Jesus' name. Now, just by the Spirit, by faith, I just want you to release the pain. Just let it go. Just, oof, just feel something coming off you. Just release. Let it go. Let it all go out. Okay? Now what I want you to do, because you can't give anything to Jesus without him wanting to give something back to you. So Jesus wants to give you something back. This is a simple impartation. 
And for those of you that get weirded out about this, it's because the church doesn't teach this concept. Impartation is an elementary principle of the faith. Hebrews says the doctrine of the laying on of hands, impartation, is an elementary principle of our faith. Jesus expects us to understand impartation. He expects us to understand how to release, and he expects us to understand how to see, how to receive. This isn't, this isn't graduate school stuff. In God's economy, impartation, releasing and receiving, is kindergarten. This is elementary. This is ABCs and one, two, threes. So we're going to do it. We're going to receive an impartation. Are you ready? One of you's ready. Is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Everybody at home, I want you to do this. If you're in a group, do it. Do it. I'm not going to do it. Do it. Do it. Take the red pill, Neo. Come down the rabbit hole. Want you to, what's your favorite color? Whatever your favorite color is, I want you to come bring it to mine. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I want you to let that, that color is just flooding through you. The most brilliant shade of green or whatever your color is, is rushing through you right now. Let it flood into you. Beauty and wonder, the most beautiful color, your favorite color. And into that world, into that color, the Lord says to you, perfectly loved. And I want you to let the words perfectly loved just rush through you. So perfect love is rushing through you. And then the Lord says to you, perfectly accepted. And I want you to let the words perfectly accepted rush through you. So this amazing color green is flooding you. These words, perfect love is just rushing into you as well. Perfect acceptance. And your spirit is getting bigger. Your soul on the inside is expanding. The boundaries of your life are being extended. Let it extend past the boundaries of your life. It's going to go out really, really far. Just feel yourself expanding. And then it'll come down. And you'll just feel like a stillness, almost like quiet water. And when it comes down and reaches the point of quiet water... That is the symbol that God has released it. So just receive it. Just receive it. And you can come back to it and you can do it again. You can just receive that color. You can receive perfect love and perfect acceptance anytime you want. For those of you watching at home, we're so glad you watched with us. We want to bless you again. I'm reminded to remind you of our Elevate Congregation that your online giving is much appreciated during this time, and we honor you for that in your faithfulness to the Lord. And the link should be wherever it is I'm pointing. So there's usually a, a link on the screen. So we want to encourage you with that. And then we want to encourage you with a blessing. And I want to bless you one more time. We want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I pray this helped you. I pray this gave you some relational tools to help you cope with pain and help to remove some barriers. But we want to give you one more blessing. There's always more. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may the Lord give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor in the name of Jesus. We love you here at Elevate. Jesus loves you. We want you to have a great week. God bless you.